0: Good morning, Elevate Miami Church. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for coming. Welcome, welcome, or good morning, good afternoon. Sorry, it's the afternoon already. Look at my time, I'm all gone. Good afternoon, Elevate Miami Church. And thank you all for joining us online. Thank you, we're so glad you could, that you chose us to watch today. Thank you, thank you for that. So we're in a series, we're in our start, finish series. We are actually coming to an end in that series today, I know it's sad but it's been a good series so we started with start and this is the final end and finish so we started with seeking the lord seek ye first the kingdom great way to enter it when starting and then we went into finishing in the spirit and now we're going to close out with finish your race finish your race so last week's message finish the spirit finishing in the spirit and this message finishing the race will come together to close, the, to close the loop for you. And this should make everything nice and cohesive, nice and clear and concise. All right? So we're going to open with Hebrews 12. I put the back end of the verse up here because that's what we're going to focus on, but I'm going to read the, the full context of, of Hebrews 12:1. So it says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, right? So today we're going to focus on the perseverance and endurance, not so much the sin and the weight. I think we have a a grasp as believers in running our race, cast off the sin, cast off the weight. Today is about running your race with endurance and perseverance to push through all the way to the end. There are things we face in our race and that's what we're going to focus on today. A couple of the hiccups that can come. First and foremost, your race began the moment you received Jesus and stepped into Christianity. So understand, the moment you became a Christian is the moment your race began. Now, you may have had a race prior to that. You may have been running a race in the world, then you entered Christianity, and now you're running another race. Now, the Lord will take what you have, and He'll push that into the race that, that you are already running. But understand... You are currently in a race if you claim Jesus. Yes, you are. Believe it. All right? Your responsibility is to run the race to the Lord's desired end in partnership with the Spirit. So understand it's not your end. It's his end. He determines the end. You run the race. But he'll tell you where the finish line is. You don't determine when you stop. He does. And let me tell you something. If you draw breath, you're still in the race. If you breathe, you're still racing. Right? You may be breaking on the side whatever, whatever you have to do, but understand you're still in the race as long as you draw breath. Remember that. You're still running the race. If you've sidelined yourself, get back in the race and run with endurance. If you've put yourself on the sideline, if you're not running your race for the Lord currently, get up and get back in the race. You have no business being on the sideline. Get back in the race. It's what you were designed for. It's what you are built for, Christian. All right? Now understand what a race is. The race is an upward calling for God's glory. Anything that you're doing in this life that is pushing yourself up in the calling of God is your race. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it is. If it's pushing you upward in the calling for him, for his glory, for his goodness, that is your race. That is your race. Right? That could be raising children. A godly marriage, kingdom business, leading in a job, ministry, teaching, running an organization. There are endless possibilities. There are combined facets to this. You could be leading a business, raising children, doing multiple things. Understand that's your race. That is your race. Every part of it is your race. It's not this race, this race, and that race. It is one race. I want you to understand that it is one race and all of these facets come together to make that race. And the idea is to finish it the right way, all right? Everyone's race is individual and different from others. Do not look at someone else and see what they're doing and all the goodness they have going and realize you can do more. It's irrelevant. Your race is your race, their race is their race. Run your race. Their race is irrelevant. To you and your purpose and your calling and your destiny you guys may partner together in a church you may partner together in a job to run a race you may partner to do other things it doesn't matter your race is individual when you stand before the throne he's not going to ask you what you did with so and so he's going to ask you how you ran yours that's all that matters run your race cast everything else off all Right. Your race was specifically and especially designed just for you. The moment you entered into the realm of Christianity, the Lord laid this race out for you. I would go back as far as to say the moment you were born, the Lord laid out a track just for you. And he knew the age you would enter that track. He knew the time you would enter that track. And he knew your ability to run the race at that time. And he lays out a track just for you so understand the race that you're on is designed for you. It's not too hard. It's not too difficult. You can do it because that is your call. That is what the Lord has called you to, and you can finish strong. So we're going to go through four areas in this, right? The first one is move into impossibilities. Then we're going to go test in uncertainty, war when necessary, and see it all the way through. See it through, all right? So first move into impossibilities. Apply faith and move especially through the impossible situations, especially through the impossible situations. First and foremost, you need to grasp hold of faith. What is faith? Right? Hebrews 11:1 tells us, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Right? everyone, everyone can quote that verse like the back of their head. Right? Yeah, faith is confidence in what we in assurance about what does that mean? Can anyone, you know, what does faith mean to you? Because if it's not real, all it is is a word. We can say we have faith, but when the time comes to act, do we lean into faith? Do we understand faith? I tell you what, I'm the youth leader here at the church, and the first time I took over God Squad, we, 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 we started with um, the armor of God, right? That's, that's the heart and soul of God Squad. If you ever see a kid wearing one of our God Squad shirts, you'll see the, the, the armor and the shield and the sword, that, that is the heart of God's squad. That is what we rep here for our 6th through 12th graders. So the first lesson I ever taught them was the armor of God, and we get to faith. We get to faith. And so I explained to them what the Bible says about faith and how the Lord sees faith, and they looked at me like I was crazy. They had no concept and no idea what faith is. They're like, you know, like, it's like trusting in God. And I said, but do you know what that looks like? And they're like, yeah, well, if God tells you to do something, you just do it. And I said, that's great in theory, but let's put it to practice. Let's put it to practice. So what do we do? I called one of the kids up and I said, I want you to close your eyes and fall and I'll catch you. Oh, they're like, oh, we're going to do the trust fall, Mr. Matt. So yeah, we're going to do the trust fall, fall. Go ahead. Show me. Show me you. Show me. And so the first one closed their eyes. They fell and then they stumbled back. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up, hold up, Mr. Matt. You, You think you can catch? Are you sure you can catch me? I'm like, yeah, you're little. I'll catch you. Don't worry about it. It's not that difficult. Fall. All right, all right. They closed their eyes, fell again. Nope, wouldn't let them. Step back again. They kept stepping back. So I'm like, sit down. You're not ready. Next up, next up, next up. We went through about five kids. Went through five kids, and none of them could do it. They were all scared, and then I would adjust myself behind them without them knowing, it. I'll step to the left. I'll step to the right, and I'll say, fall, and they're like, no, but why are you moving, Mr. Matt? Why are you making it harder? Like, just, just stand behind me. Just put one finger on my back and I'll know you'll catch me. I'm like, see, see, Lee. and I said, this is exactly what faith is, right? In faith in its simplest form. If I were to dumb faith down to you to, to its simplest form, faith is closing your eyes, falling, and letting God catch you. That's faith. That's faith. And every time you fall, the Lord says fall, and you step back, you're telling the Lord, wait, I don't trust that you can catch me. You need my help he doesn't need your help. He doesn't. If he says fall, trust him. Yes, I know there's a floor beneath you. Yes, I know it'll hurt if you hit it, but guess what? I will catch you anyway. Trust me. All right, so we eventually get to the kid that sees it, and she's like, or oh, one of the kids, I can't remember if it was a guy or girl at the time, and she, that, that person fell. I caught him, and everybody saw it. They're like, oh, he can catch him. Let's go. And then they were all lining up, and they were just throwing themselves on me, right? So, so they, under, they got to see it, and they got to believe it. You know, sometimes we have faith we see it, and then we can lean into it. So. But there was one girl, Lucy. I wanted to do something special for the class. And so I told Lucy to fall. She had already seen all the kids fall, so I knew this wasn't going to be a problem. So I said, fall. I intentionally stood back just a little bit more, and I let her fall. I let her get about two inches from the ground. And everybody's watching, and they get up, they're like, oh! and I caught her right before she hit the ground. And then everybody was like, whoa, that was so close, Mr. Mash, she could have died. And I'm like, relax. Relax. Nothing was going to happen to her, I promise. This is a little bitty girl. I'm okay. I caught her with one finger. You're like, it's all good. It's okay, guys. And so I let her fall and and I stood her up, and I said, I want you guys to understand something. No matter how far you fall, no matter how close to the ground it seems, the Lord will always catch you. Even if desperation, even if you're so close to hitting the ground, He will always get you. That is true faith. And that's the best I've ever seen in the class. I can't get the kids to do it anymore. I don't know what happened. They stopped believing in Mr. Matt. It's okay. It's all right. All right. So an impossible situation. What is an impossible situation? Any situation that requires supernatural intervention. If you're facing a situation you can't do it. You need God's help. That's an impossible situation. Welcome. Welcome. You need the supernatural. That's great. That's a great place to be, all right? Sometimes you have to trust God, be obedient, move on his command, and watch him do the impossible, all right? So we're going to go into this, this great scripture in Exodus, but let me build it up for you, right? So the, the, the Israelites, they leave Egypt. They're out of bondage, Right? They come out of bondage, and now they're on their way. Right? The Lord sends them back to the sea to camp in one night because he wants to stir up the Egyptians. So the Egyptians see what's going on. They rally all their troops, and they head to take down the Israelites. And it says in Scripture that they overtook them. The Israelites get up, and they're afraid. So now the Israelites are stuck between the sea and the Egyptians. There's no place to go. They are in an impossible situation that requires supernatural intervention. Moses immediately tells them, no, 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 don't worry. God got it. Not only is he going to deliver you, but he's going to take care of these Egyptians. You won't even have to worry about them past today. So then he looks to God. He's like, oh, you know, I'm going to need you to come through. And this is God's response. This is amazing right here. So Exodus 14, 15, and 16. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So I want you guys to catch it. I underline move on. So the command was to move on before the sea was parted. I want to say that again. The command was to move before the impossible was made possible. Sometimes the Lord will tell you to move into an impossible situation. And only with the movement will that impossible be made possible. We we have a tendency to wait on God. That's what I'm just waiting on Jesus. I'm waiting on him to move. And we see it. And he says, go. And you're like, it's impossible. I can't do that. I'm going to wait for you to move. But that's not what he's saying here. He told the Israelites, move. So they have already began to move towards the Red Sea. And it's not parting. Then Moses goes up, does his thing. And it parts, but not before they moved. Sometimes you have to move before you see the impossible made possible, so you need to move into impossibilities and trust that God will make it possible, right? Remember, he knows the end from the beginning. He was setting up a situation that seemed dire for the Israelites, but would lead not only to victory and freedom, but so that his ultimate glory would be shown and known. And that's representation of Exodus 14, 17 through 18. He said it. He said, I want uh, the Egyptians to know my glory. I want them to know that the Lord is God. So this is what he did. God allows the impossible situations to show his goodness and glory to the world through you. He wants to show his nature to the world and use you to do it. Let him. right, so when you face the impossible, when you're up against it, and the Lord is telling you to move, move. It's not just that he's going to give you victory, but it's that he's going to use you to show his goodness and glory to the world. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, people are watching. They want to see if we are what we say we are. We preach Jesus with the best of them. We preach faith with the best of them. But when the time comes, can you stand the test of faith? That's what he's looking for, right? When I come, will I find faith on the earth? He's looking for people with faith. Step into it and watch him give you victory and his name be glorified at the same time. It's, a, it's called a win-win. You guys heard of this? It's a win-win for Jesus. Take the win-win because it's good for you. All right. So next up, test and uncertainty. Test and uncertainty. First and foremost, God never contradicts his word. Never, ever. So if you're hearing something or if you're feeling something in the spirit and, you, and, and it's contradictory to his word, it's not from him. Throw it away. It's useless. Can't help you. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it gives you warm tinglies inside. It's irrelevant because it contradicts his word. He never contradicts his word. Ever. Period. Now that we got that out of the way. When in doubt, Test. When in doubt, test. When you're uncertain about the direction, leading, or a word you feel like you've received or heard from the Holy Spirit, apply the test. What is the test? I'm so glad you asked. You guys are so inquisitive today. Come on. So inquisitive. I love you guys. Okay. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world, right? So he lays out a test for you. He lays it out. The spirits must confess Jesus came in the flesh. How does that look? Well, that sounds great, but how do I get the Spirit to talk to me? What, how do I create this mode? That's I'm so glad you guys. You guys are amazing. I'm loving the questions. I got answers, though. All right? Get to a place where you are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Start there. Get to a place where it's you and the Holy Spirit, and you can engage the Holy Spirit. And you're in communion, and you know He's talking to you. What does that mean? Read your Bible, pray, whatever gets you there. If it's worship, if it's one specific song, if it's a push-up, if it's jumping jacks, I don't, I don't care. If it's a hip-hop song, right? If it's a hip-hop song, if it's freestyling in the Spirit, if it's speaking in tongues, whatever gets you in the Spirit, get to that place where it's you and the Holy Spirit in communion with one another. So now you're free-flowing, right? Now you're speaking and he's ministering. Now you're in your zone. Now you're in your wheelhouse. Now you're in your comfort zone. You have to be comfortable with the Spirit. Right? And this is where you apply the test. Create a space for interaction and when comfortable, test the spirit. So now you've created the space and now you're in your comfort zone. Now you need to apply the test. And I asked the Holy Spirit, I was like, Lord, how do I, how do I give this, how do I make this clear for your people applying this test? Because I know what it is for me, but I want them to grasp it. So has anybody seen the movie Inception? Yeah. Inception, great movie. Great movie, right? Love that. I love that movie too. It's a great movie. I love that movie. So in Inception right? There was a group of people and they were jumping into dreams, right, to steal ideas for money. And they were doing it for other companies, but the idea was to steal ideas, you know, and get paid for it. So they would set it up to where they would enter someone's dream and then jump out the dream with the idea, right? So that, that was the basis of it. But what they had begun to do was take it in layers deep. So they would enter a dream then put a person in another dream, then put a person in another dream. So they had like multi-layered level dreams. So it was tiers of dreams that were going deeper and deeper and deeper. They spent so much time in dreams that it was hard for them to differentiate dream from reality. So they had to create what's called a totem. Every, so every time they would exit a dream, he would pull out what's called a totem, which is basically a, a something, um, a symbol, a mark that they would test to know whether they were in dream or reality. For the main character, it was was a simple top. It was a weighted top, and he would spin it. And if it toppled, he was in reality. But if it continued to spin, he knew he was still in dream world, and he needed to get out again. The other person had a weighted dice. That weight carried in his hand, he could feel it. He stuck his hand in his pocket, picked it up. If the weight held, he knew it was good. If the weight didn't, then he's still in the dream. We got to get out of the dream, right? It's the same thing when testing the spirit. You need to create that totem... For you to understand what the Spirit is telling you, for me, once again, in, in regards to the Spirit, we know here when we've done the prophetic stuff that when when we engage the Spirit, there's seeing, there's feeling, and there's hearing. Sometimes you see something, sometimes you feel something, sometimes you hear something, right? Whichever one you lean into, whichever one the Holy Spirit has put on you to engage the most, lean into that. So if it's seeing, look to see. If it's feeling, look to feel something. And if it's hearing, look to hear. But you have to create the totem for it for it to be clear that, the whole, that Jesus came in the flesh. So you partner with the Spirit, and you ask him, okay, Lord, like I'm a feeler, you know me, or I'm a seer, I'm a hearer. I need to know what I need to see to make this clear. What is it? And then you test it. You test that. You test that against what he's already given you, and you test it against things he would never say. Jesus, you see me as a, as a son of the highest. Jesus, you want me dead. And test that word against what you see, feel, or hear. Me personally, it has to be audible. I need to hear the Lord say to me, Jesus came in the flesh. It's not like that for everyone. You need to know yours. And then you await confirmation. It's very important. It's not just about hearing, but wait, wait that confirmation. The Lord will confirm his word to you, right? You'll, you'll get another prophetic word. Maybe it'll be a dream. It'll be a vision. Maybe he'll ding a scripture to you. You know, whatever it is, he'll begin to open doors in that path. He will confirm it. So, keep that in mind as well. But keep in mind, test the spirits. When you are uncertain and you cannot pinpoint whether or not this is the Lord, test the spirit. Create your totem. Create that thing where you can engage the spirit. I don't care if it's a red ball. Whatever it is that you've created with the Holy Spirit to determine Jesus came in the flesh for you. Every time you see that, you know this is confirmation that Jesus came in the flesh. Use that and test the spirits. Okay? Amen. There you go. Alrighty, next up, war when necessary. This one's fun. Warring, warring. And this is basically spiritual warfare, understanding, getting an idea, right? So there are times in your race where you'll have to step into battle mode against the enemy. It is inevitable. You will have to fight. You can't escape it. You have to engage it. This is your time. This is your moment. Use it, utilize it, face the enemy. Do not let him win and do not give him leeway because he will seek to take everything. If you let him, he'll he'll come bits and pieces, but then he'll look to take you whole. So engage the enemy. It is something to know, to be prepared for, and ready to engage. You are ready for battle the moment you receive Jesus. I want you guys to understand that. You are ready day one. Day one. If you receive Jesus today and you lived a sinful life, let me tell you something. You are ready to face the enemy day one. Day one. Because it's not about you. It's about the anointing that's in you. It has nothing to do with you. It is the power you have been given by the Holy Spirit the moment you receive Jesus. You are blood-bought and you are covered. So keep that in mind. Right? However, the Lord knows when you can withstand and endure the fight, and that's when it's presented to you. So the Lord knows when you are able, when you are actually ready. You're ready day one, but he knows when you're actually ready. And there's a scripture I want to use for this. So Exodus 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go in Egypt, he let the Egypt, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea key sentence here. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So they left Egypt. So here, I want to paint a clear picture for you, right? They're in bondage in Egypt, correct? Correct? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bible people. <laughs> so so the, Egyptian, the, the the Israelites are in bondage, bondage in Egypt. Moses comes, let my people go. They immediately are, let, are set free. So they enter freedom immediately. And scripture says, the Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle so they left bondage entered freedom and immediately were ready for battle understand when you come out of sin and into salvation you're ready for battle day one there's the context right so the first part when pharaoh let the people go god did not lead them on the road through the philistine country though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God knows when you're actually ready, when you're able to endure and withstand. He will not put you through something if it's going to make you turn back. This is what I want you to be aware of. When you face your fight, when you face your war, guess what? You're ready because he, know, he said you're ready. Even if you don't feel ready, it does, it's not about your feeling. Don't lean into feelings because feelings will lie to you every time. And if you lean into the feelings, you will fall on your face. Lean, in, lean into the anointing. That's where the power is. Right? You're endowed with power. Use it. Utilize it. And fight. Fight. Right. He's, so talking about the enemy, let's, let's break down what the enemy is trying to do to you here. So he seeks to attack your weakness, right? So I use the example, we're staying on the Israelites and, and, and um, with the Egypt and everything, and we're going to talk about the Amalekites. The Amalekites came up to attack uh, Israel and this is similar to how the enemy would attack you. So this is why I use this as an example. In Deuteronomy 25, 17 and 18, Moses is standing and he's talking to the people. All of, The majority of Deuteronomy is pretty much Moses telling the people their entire journey. It's pretty much one long speech if you've ever read Deuteronomy. This is part of the speech. He's bringing them into remembrance of God's deliverance and what God did for them and the people that they faced. So Roman, uh, Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out. They met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God, right? So they're coming out of Egypt. He's reminding them that the, that the enemy attacked them at their weakness, had no fear, had no reverence of their God, and just began to pick people off at the back. Just came at the weakness, came at the weak spot because they could. And that's what they did. They came at the weakness. The enemy will come for your weakness. He will come at the things that are lagging behind. He's seeking to pick you apart piece by piece until that moment where he's decimated you enough to give you an all-out onslaught. Don't let him get the opportunity. Recognize what he's doing, face him, and fight. You have the ability, you have the capability. Do it. Know that his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, John ten ten. we know that verse, you must face him and fight. So same, same, same instance, we go back to Exodus with the actual fight. So in Exodus 17, 8 through 9, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Verse 13, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So they stopped what they're doing. Now they're on their race to the promised land. They're on their journey. This was their race. They were headed to the land of Canaan, right? They just come out of Egypt. Matter of fact, they just came through the water. They just came through the parted sea, and the Amalekites are immediately attacking them, right? So before the sea, they weren't ready for the fight. Not yet, but immediately after they came out of the water, came out of the sea, they immediately were attacked. So the Lord's like, you're ready. Draw a battle plan and fight. They were ready then. So they didn't allow it to happen anymore, Moses created a plan, they prepared for it, and they waited a day, and they fought them, and they overcame them with the sword. We know the story Moses goes up on the hill, Aaron and her hold his hands up, and every time his hands were up, they would win. And it says, Joshua overcame them with the sword. Joshua overcame them with the sword. You have to stop what you're doing, you have to pause for a second, turn back, and face the enemy. You have to. Otherwise, he will decimate you to a point where he will take everything from you. We know his purpose. Don't let his purpose win. Face him and fight. You have the ability, you have the power. All right? So know your authority. Know your authority. All right. I love the Bible. Right? It's, 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 it has so many weapons for why the Bible's the sword. Right? It's the part of the armor that we use to fight. Right? And in the Bible it's full of full of ammunition for your war against the enemy. So you need to know what you're capable of. And in the Bible, it tells you what your authority is. So let's just use the Bible as our sword in this fight, right? James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Pretty simple. I submit myself to you, Lord. Now I can fight the enemy. Pretty, pretty simple. Resist and he will flee. Nothing overly complex. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Sorry, does that say some of the power of the enemy? Half of the power of the enemy? Seven-eighths of the power of the enemy? No, it says all. All of the power of the enemy. You have the power to overcome all of the power of the enemy. Not some of it. All of it. All of it. Doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. All of the power of the enemy, you can tap dance on. Do it. You have the power. Remember that. No, 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 I don't care. And the enemy who come at you, he'll be like, nah, you, you, you're not ready for me. You tell him, wait, hold on, though. No. But in Luke 10, 19, it says I, that the Lord has given me the power to trample all over your power, all of it. I don't care what you're throwing at me. Remember that. Remember the power you carry and the authority that is in you. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, I love this one. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In the New King James Version, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? They're not of this world. They're mighty. You realize you have mighty weapons that aren't of this world? You can't even see them. But maybe you need to start activating them. Like, Holy Spirit, I activate my spiritual Uzi, my spiritual sword, my javelin, whatever it is. Whatever it is that needs to take you into the fight, activate your your spiritual weapons and go to war. You are built for it. I don't care if you're the most timid person on the planet. I don't care if you're, like, weak and you're, like, shriveled. It's irrelevant. The power has nothing to do with your physical body. It is your spiritual prowess. Lean into the spiritual being inside. That is the anointing. You eyes are so powerful, so powerful, and the power is in the anointing, and kids carry it too. This isn't about knowledge. I don't care what you know. I don't care how many Bible scriptures you can quote me. It's irrelevant. If a kid can stare down the enemy and say, no, you can too. Come on. I got one. All right. Exercise that authority. Exercise. And now now it's time. Now it's time for the fight. We got to exercise it. Know what's being attacked. You need to get discernment. You need to ask the Holy Spirit. So if you have an area right now that's under attack or an area in areas of attack, you need to know where that attack is coming from. This is a time where you get into the Spirit and you ask, where is it coming from? If you have an issue at your job, if you're having an issue at your marriage, understand we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? But against the principalities and the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. It has nothing to do with the person. Yeah, you may be at war physically with the person, but that's not where your battle is. And if it's in the spirit, you need to take it higher. You need to figure out the spirit that's afflicting them that's afflicting you. And you come for that spirit. You had a rebellious child in the house? You think it's them? Lord, just fix my child. No, I come against the spirit of rebellion over my child right now. I command that thing to lift in the name of Jesus. You come after what is tormenting that which you love. That is your fight. You fight in the spirit. This is what spiritual warfare looks like. And you have the... I'm going to keep saying it. You guys are... You have the power to do it. You have the power to do it. I want you to get that through. If you leave with one thing today... Be like, listen, that guy on stage, he said I got the power to overcome the enemy. I want you to know that. We win. That's right. You got Jesus. You got the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We win. Let me tell you something. The game is rigged. It's rigged. He set it up. You've already won. You already won. It's rigged. When you enter the ring, you've already won. All you have to do is fight. I don't care if victory looks, if it looks like victory, it doesn't matter. You don't determine victory. He does. You continue to fight until you see victory. Push all the way through. Fight. I'm trying to raise up these fighters up in here. (laughs) All right. Prepare yourself. Get in the spirit. Get your weapons ready. Like I said before, get yourself in the spirit. Call forth those weapons whatever they are, I don't care if you have to see an Uzi in your hand, a, a Glock in, whatever, I don't know what guns look like, but I'm just saying, like, you call forth your weapons, call forth an axe and a javelin, whatever it is, see them, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, you know. But this is, when I say get in the spirit, now, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, you're coming into worship or you, you want to enter prayer and you're just, you just want the, just the love of Jesus to flow over you. No, that's not what I'm talking about right now, all right? I want you to understand when I say get in the spirit, you're getting in there for warfare, right? So understand it's like a pep rally. You guys have been to a pep rally at a school? It's like, yeah, they got that beat music on. You know, everybody's like, yeah. that's 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 what you want going. You got to play that tough music. You can if you play that worship song, maybe it doesn't get you there. Maybe you got to play the hip hop track or something. You got to do whatever gets you there, but this is a fight. When the boxers are entering the boxing ring, they're not they're not just, you know, just uh, they're like, yeah, 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 they got their fans. on. Oh, let me tell you something. You guys, you know you got fans? You got heavenly hosts and Jesus like on the side just cheering you on as you're walking into your fight. You understand that? He's he's sitting there waiting, like he's like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch, watch this, watch, watch what he does to him right now. Like you got you got you got fans. Lean into your fans. Lean into the heavenly hosts. Like yeah. And it's okay, man. You, you pound it on the enemy. You look up, you be like, You like that, you like that, Jesus? Watch this, watch this, check this out. And you lean into your authority. You have the power. Come on. Come on. Huh? And you then you engage in the fight. You take the name of Jesus, your weapons in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, and you engage in battle. You command, you rebuke, and you sever. You draw a line in the sand. You step across that line and you tell the enemy, no more. No more. No more will you wreak havoc in my home. No more will you come for my children. No more will you come for my boss, which is coming for me. No more. You tell the enemy no more. And you take back what he's trying to take from you. You command, you rebuke, and you sever. You command the enemy where he can go. I command you off of this. I command you off of that. You rebuke him. I rebuke you from from touching this and that. And you sever. You cut ties with anything that would link him with power to you. Command, rebuke, and sever. That's how you fight. And you have the power. And I don't care if you do it with a baby voice. I command you. It doesn't matter. It's not because it's not in your voice. It's in the anointing. I don't care if you lost your voice. You battle in the spirit. Come on. Come on. And you engage till you overcome. You know when that is. There is confident assurance in you, and there's a settling. There is a confident assurance in you. I want you guys to to know something right? All these fights are important. They're, they're extremely important, right? Because every battle you'll face is, is, is a building for that one pent ultimate, one or two in your life. Where there, there's going to be a time when the enemy is going to come to take everything. If you are running your race and your path is, is kingdom, it is destiny, it is future, and you have purpose to honor him and live for him, he will come for everything. Everything you hold dear and he's going to hit you with an onslaught. So every fight that you have is building and preparing you for this moment of this true war. Will you be ready to stand in that war? That's the question. You engage till you overcome. Listen, here goes the story. Here, the Lord's giving it to me again. Okay, God, I'll give it to you. Okay. I was married for 16 years. I, was, I don't know how many people know that, but I was married for 16 years. And one day, my wife says to me, uh, I don't love you anymore. I don't, I regret marrying you, I, I regret taking your last name, it's just a world of stuff now, we're both Christians, we're both blood-bought, and she just decides she's done, right, we have two beautiful children, you know, we're trying to walk the right way, and then all of this stuff happens, and immediately, it was like a weight, like a bat just knocked me, blue right off, right off course, you know, and at the same time, I have issues with both of my daughters, both, uh, having issues with both of them. And then me, I I have a medical issue. There's an intestinal issue that's going on. All that hit me at the same time. All these things developed one right after the other. It was a ball. It was a wave that just punched me, knocked me clean on my back. This was it. This was the moment. This was the onslaught. And I saw it, and I didn't know what to do. I, I, I felt weak and broken, and it's okay to feel this way. It's okay. We don't lean into weakness. We lean into his strength when we're weak because his power is perfected in our weakness, right? So you lean into the perfection of his power. So in tears and in brokenness, I could barely speak, and I, I didn't know what to do. But I, I, I was like, I drew my line, and I stepped across it, and I told him, no more. I could barely get the words out. I had tears. It's like, no more. No more. You will not take me. You will not take this body. You will not take my children. You will not take my wife. You will not take this house, and you will not take anything from me. You know, I know who I am, you know, and I began to war with the enemy. I grabbed my weapons, and I fought. I fought hard, and I, I determined victory for myself would be reconciliation, would be restoring a home that the Lord put together. That's what victory was to me. The Lord had a different idea of what victory is. See, we don't determine victory. I want you guys to know that. We don't determine victory. He takes you all the way through, and let me tell you something. When you're victorious, it is complete and it is whole, and it is amazing, and he is amazing when he does it, so all this stuff is going on. I'm having this issue with, so I'm, I'm, I got this intestinal pain. I'm battling this on this front. I have issues with my daughters, and then the first thing that happens, I go to a prayer night while I'm doing this in the middle of my fight, right, because sometimes it's not a one-shot deal. Sometimes you got to keep fighting, so I'm in this prayer night, and this guy is praying over me. He just walks up to me, and he was like, Boom, just tapped my stomach. He was like, you're healed. He was like, oh, you know that little issue in your stomach? You're healed. And just kept walking. Never had the issue again. Now I'm still fighting. Right? <laughs> Victory number one. I'm like, okay, okay, God, I see what we're doing. I see what we're doing. I still kept warring. I still kept fighting. I still kept pushing through. I'm praying one day. My daughter hears me. She comes in the room. Sweet Gabrielle. She was like 10 years old. And she hears her dad just going after the devil. And she walked in. And I just saw her. She was just staring at me like wow. And she was like, because like, she really wanted reconciliation, too. She wanted to see her parents. She, she hated what was going on. And, and so, she comes in the room. And she's like, Dad, like, I want to believe that, too. I, what you're doing, I, I want to I I I hold to that. I, I want that, too. I want to be able to pray that way. Like, I want to do that. Like, how, how, can I, how can I do that? And I said, understand, I have a relationship with Jesus. My first daughter had given her life to Jesus. My second, she was young. She hadn't gotten there yet, but this was the moment, right? And so, this allowed me to, to pray with my daughter to receive Jesus in this moment. And let me tell you something. She prayed the house down at 10 years old, interceded for, for her parents in that moment, right after receiving Jesus. Once again, there's no baby Holy Spirit. This is power. They can pray too. She was, and she was, cry, she, I was like, dang, Jesus. Like, not only did you allow her to be saved, but you filled her with the Spirit. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit praying in tongues. Come on. This is in the worst part of my life. Now I'm battling, I'm fighting, and I'm thinking, whoa, and I'm like, all right, one more, two down, one one to go, you know, all right, this is good, my daughter is good, you know, my health is back, you know, I just need to see victory here. Reconciliation never came, but I'm going to tell you what came that was better, right? I found this place. I found Elevate Miami Church in the midst of brokenness. Right, And the Lord catapulted me into something he had been calling forth since I was born, and that was ministry. Never anywhere in any church that I've ever been had I ever been pulled into ministry until I walked into this place. And he awakened the spiritual in me here. Come on, come on, this is Elevate Miami Church. Come on, if you have been here? You know what I'm talking about. You know about the power of the Spirit that's in this place that I've experienced nowhere else, and I've been everywhere. He awakened the prophetic, he, not just in me, but in my children. They're prophesying to each other. They're laying hands, commanding sickness. I was like, man, these 10-year-olds are commanding sickness off of each other in the house because of this place. Because of the power of the spirit that they received here, what they learned here. Let me tell you, I love Elevate Miami Church. I love my church. And this is where the Lord put me, in this brokenness. And look at me. I stand in front of you today being able to preach, you know, stepping into the calling because of that. This is true victory. This is victory. This is what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? Healing, a daughter reaching salvation and me walking in fullness of ministry. That's what it looks like. We don't de- we win. We win. We don't determine our victory. He does. And guess what? It's not over. The best is yet to come. Remember that. In your walk, the best is always yet to come. We're not done. And I'm not done. I've got more. I've got more and you've got more. Come on. Come on. Trying to talk to you. All right. Then you get back on pace with the race. Guess what? I'm running my race right now. This is part of my race. You being here is part of your race. You moving forward in your upward calling is part of your race. Get back on pace. You fight and you get back on pace with the race. You fight, you get back on pace with the race. When your onslaught comes, you face it you deal with it, you align yourself with believers who will pray and stand with you, and you get back on pace with the race. The idea is to get on pace and stay on pace with your race. Finish your race. You have to. All right? Finally, see it through. See it all the way through. We finished our war. Now, now we're trying to see it through to the end. All right? I love these verses here. Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God is the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Your prize is an eternal prize in heaven, right? We have prizes in this life. You get prizes in this life. And there's nothing wrong with them. They're amazing. You know, you build business, you earn this, and you build in this life, and that's fine. But understand, that is just for this life. There is an eternity beyond this where you are building something so great and so profound. And I want you to see beyond this world, right? Because this is fading. What do we get? 120 years tops if we're lucky, Maybe right? 80. Maybe 80, you know. I'm just saying what the Bible says, you know, man's days will be 120. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But we have an eternity with riches and glory in heaven. And I don't want to just say it's the sweet by and by. No, but we, we live for now too. But I want you guys to be aware it's the upward calling. It's the prize in heaven, right? And finally, finish the race. Second Timothy four seven and eight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all, to all those who have longed for his appearing. So I want you to understand, Paul gets to this place. We all want to get to this place at the end of our race where we can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That is, that is, that is the goal. And he says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. For all my creatives, I want you guys to picture it like this. All right. So right now there's a crown in heaven. The, you get it the day you become saved, right? The crown of righteousness this is all those who long for Jesus' appearing. You have a crown of righteousness that is yours. Right? But we know our God is a God of specialty. He designs us, he's intricately woven our names in his hands and everything. Understand, he rejoices over just you. He knows the hairs on your head. So you think your crown is the same as everyone else's crown? No, not my crown. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm gonna tell you something you are building and defining your crown right now, right? The crown of righteousness that you will receive, you're designing it with your life, with your walk, with your race, everything. You're putting rubies and gems and feathers and stones and TV screens. I don't know if it's a TV screen in it, but I'm trying to talk to you though. I'm trying to talk to you. But what I'm saying is you're designing your crown, right? You're building your crown, and when he gets before he's going to lay that crown at your feet. That's what he hands to you. Do you know that? Do you know Jesus is going to hand you a crown? Yeah, you're royalty. That's right. Even right now, you, you get a crown the day you become saved. That's right. Royalty. And he's going to hand that crown of righteousness to you. And that's what you receive. And you take that, you wear that proudly in heaven. Boy, look at my crown. I'm skipping around heaven with my crown of righteousness. Come on. Might be too big to wear. You just got to carry it behind you like, yo, check out my crown though. I'm dragging it on the floor. I guess can't fit it on my head. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm just saying, listen. Creatives, creatives. We're creatives here at Elevate Miami Church. Anyway, come on. That's all right. That's all right. Cheer, yes. That's right. You're building the crown. Come on. Amen? Amen. All righty. So in closing, in closing, let's bring it in. Let's, let's, let's wrap it in nice and tight. All right, so you began a race. The moment you entered salvation, that must be run in partnership with the Holy Spirit to its designated finish. If you're saved, you're in a race, right? Partner with the Holy Spirit and you'll get to the end. He designs the end. And as long as you're breathing, you're still running the race. It may be a different chapter of the race. It may be a different track of the race. It doesn't matter. You're still in your race. You draw breath, you're still running. If you've sidelined yourself, get back in the race. No business being on the sideline. Get up, Get back in the race, whatever that is. If you're not currently in an upward calling for the Lord, you're sidelined yourself. Get back and get in the race. That is what you're designed to do. That's what you're empowered to do. Finish your race. Obey God when he tells you to move into impossible situations. Trust that when you move, he will make the impossible possible. If he's telling you to do something impossible, trust him that he will make the impossible possible. It's not about you, it's about what he wants to show to the world through you. Let him use you to show his goodness to the world. And be good to you at the same time. Win-win. War with the enemy when necessary. Know that this is part of the race. Recognize the attack, embrace your authority, prepare and fight. Know that the fight is coming. Know that there will be fights. It's okay. You can handle it. If you're presented with a fight, like we've said, the Lord says you can handle it. Don't run from it. Embrace it, face it, and defeat it. You have the anointing already. Lean into that. Lean into that power. Right? Test the spirits in uncertainty. When in doubt about the direction leading or a word you feel like you've received or heard from the Holy Spirit, apply the test. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Test the spirits. Let that spirit confess to you Jesus came in the flesh and create the totem for it. Create the design, create the mark that tells you Jesus came in the flesh. When there's uncertainty, when there's doubt. There's moments you know in your knower, and there's moments you're like, I gotta check. Check and let Him confirm it to you. And wait, for real, and wait for confirmation afterwards. It's okay. God doesn't mind. All right? And then you see it through. Press on towards victory and finish your race strong. Listen. God wants us all to be victorious in this race. The idea is victory. Victory. He determines the victory. All you have to do is run. Run your race. Face what's in front of you, and you will finish strong. You will finish strong. You have the capability and the ability to finish strong. Finish your race. Finish your race. Stay in your upward calling. Fight when it's necessary. Finish your race. Amen? Amen. That's it. That's what I have. That's all, that's all I got for you. I'm sorry. That's it. It's amen. Amen. All right. Let me bless you. Let me bless you guys. Let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace and may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. We have an awesome prayer team over there. And you guys be blessed.